You're listening to Guitar Goddess Radio with Azina. Yeah. Bless your heart. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to talk to you. It's been a while. Look at you. Already got the guitar on. I love it. I know. Well, I have a I have a rehearsal in a little bit, so I I figured I'd just get up early and warm up a little bit. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to be holding oh. your your guitar your latest CD. Cool. For all those living. Yeah, awesome. I'm very excited to talk to you. You know, it's it's really interesting because I get a lot of music and, you know, I've listened to you for years and there's something about your tone. It is the most purest, beautiful tone I have ever heard. And no matter wow. how <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's just incredible. And I'm like, how does she get that tone? What does oh. she do? <laughs> well, you know, I think it has to do well with the plectrum, number one. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, and just always practicing with the amp and stuff like that, like just developing your touch is mm -hmm. really where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, I still haven't managed to, I keep switching guitars and switching amps and trying different things. And I'm like, no, that's just uniquely you, you know, it's your amazing right. sound. And, and, you know, how did you get to that point? Has it been, have you always had that tone? I mean, all the recordings of yours that I have, you have this beautiful, rich tone. You know, as a musician, you know, some of the artists that write in, you know, that's some of the things they talk about. You know, they don't have consistent sound. Hmm. I don't know. You know, what was really helpful was um, I never got a chance to take a lesson with him in person, but I wanted to study with Ted Dunbar years ago when I moved to New York. And I didn't like my tone. I always had this pingy sound in my tone. And that's what he said to me, actually, was uh, it was something that Wes told him. And I've heard, I saw Wes say this in an, an interview that you, your instrument is the electric guitar. So always play with an amp. Because if you, and, and it was true, because, and I could spot this in a student, like, like within five minutes. And they're always like blown away that I. <laughs> spot it but I know what it is now I know what the because I used to do that like I wouldn't have an amp and you know maybe I had some time and then you start practicing and then you start developing a habit of playing really hard to hear yourself mm -hmm. so if you follow the premise that when you're practicing you're developing habits of course when you plug it into the amp you've already developed this heavy touch mm -hmm. so that's the idea so even if it's not it doesn't have to be up loud it's just that you're li and you're also listening to yourself coming through the speaker mm -hmm. so you have to really listen to your to your sound as you play but also like it, then you know it, it was amazing so I, I took that advice from Ted and and all of a sudden that pingy sound mm -hmm. disappeared because then I was learning how to give the appropriate attack you know it's different than an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. if you're playing an acoustic guitar then you have to dig in but yeah. if you're playing an electric guitar I have knobs I can turn to make it louder. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be doing it from my, you know, my right hand. Yeah. So if you get that, also there was a study that Emily Remler, I actually took a lesson with her, you know, when it would have been a long time ago. And she gave me a great study for, um, it's called the picking dynamic study. And that was really helpful too, to just develop a really light touch mm -hmm. on the electric guitar. And if, if you have a decent guitar, you you know you're gonna find its voice, and you, you let the instrument sing. Um, so so that would you know just like that you know whatever ten minute conversation I had with Ted Dunbar mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the phone, 
And of course, the thing that Emily gave me, I think, really helped me make that my habit. You know, it's like my habit. You get a sound. Yeah. So. You know, and, and a lot of artists, you know, that I'm talking to, they're also conflicted about practicing. And, you know, you, you teach, you tour, you know, you do everything. You know, when you're on tour, are you still, you know, practicing every day? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great question. It depends, you know. I mean, sometimes you're in a plane or train for 13 hours. Yeah. So, you know, you have to do more mental practicing. Um, but, you know, for instance, if I have a project, maybe I'm going to come home and off of the road and have another project I got to prepare. So mm -hmm. I'm really finding time. But I, I do have like, I have a basic two hour thing that I do. I try to do every day, no matter what. It's like my maintenance. Mm -hmm. So depending on if I traveled all day and I only have 45 minutes backstage to warm up, I'll sort of compress all of that into a warm up. All those things that I do so that at least, you know, I go out on stage and I feel loose and stuff. So. It depends. I mean, you kind of have to just go with the flow when you're traveling. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just so interesting because that's one question that people always say, you know, especially young guitarists. They're just starting out. They're doing their first tour, and they're like, ah, you know, how do I manage it all? You know, yeah. and you're a master, you know. I mean, you are the creme de la creme of guitarists, and uh, it's just such an honor to sit here with you today and to be able to ask you these questions that – girls email me about, you know. Well, it's interesting because, too, I mean, I mean, the older I get, it, you know, it's hard on your body physically to tour, so I, I've really made it my goal, you know, to stay fit on the road, try to eat well. I mean, all those things, if you go out and maybe you stay up too late the first night and you have another extra glass, that extra glass of wine, you know, <laughs> you're going to be dogging it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's also part of the whole picture is just trying to stay fit having a, like a fitness routine and then a music routine and whatever because otherwise you won't last, <laughs> you won't last. <laughs> be burnt out <laughs> so talk moving back to um for all those living you know I, I felt like this was a really personal piece of work. You know, can you talk a little bit more about it? The the tones, the 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 songs that you chose. You know, what was going on at this time? Yeah. Well, actually, the title cut I wrote immediately after my mother passed away, <sighs> and it's just my philosophy of of life and death is that um, I don't know what happens when you die. But I know that while we're here, we have to, you know, be present and do what we're find. We have to find what our purpose is and live it. And so, at the time, I was uh, teaching a rock band at the Ronald McDonald House in in New York, and I I actually would feel nervous to go there every week. But I'd always walk out of there like lifted up off the ground, mm. like spending two hours with these kids and. They would write songs about what they were going through, or we would just jam on ACDC tunes or whatever. <laughs> but for those two hours, I mean, sometimes the kids would come in and they had just had chemo all day, or they'd be. But they, for those two hours, it didn't matter. They were just kids having fun, and they were so. Um, I don't know. They were just so 
in the moment, and they were just, but they were also like not, a, they were not afraid in a lot of ways. I mean, mm. you know, they didn't show that fear. They took what they were living, what their life was about in stride. Mm. Like, wow, I had to do chemo today. All right, that's my life. And now I'm going to come and play, you know, rock and roll. So it was sort of those things that came together that, um, uh, you know, I, that title piece came out. And I was like, you know what? What music is about is about healing. Yes. I know I saw the power of that with those kids. And my mother was a musician, and, and music was a big part, like the most positive part of our relationship, you know? So, uh, you know, that was the theme of the whole also, there's a cut on there, the Amuse Sings, which is mm -hmm. for my mentor, Jimmy Weibel, who passed away maybe a year before that, wow. who also, you know, was such a powerful force, healing force in my life. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to celebrate that. And then, and then at the time, I also, I got, while I was working on the record, I got a grant from the Bronx Council of the Arts for a couple thousand dollars. It was great. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I used it to, for the production of the recording. So I thought... Well, these people gave to me, mm -hmm. and all these people have given me all this incredible inspiration. So, if I could give back part part of the sales to the house, that would be great. Like, even if I can give back the couple thousand dollars that I was granted to mm -hmm. me, would be mm -hmm. awesome. So that's been ongoing. Like, I think so far I've raised about fifteen hundred dollars for the house, which awesome. whatever a little independent jazz release. But you know, I'm always excited when I get a big envelope of money and run over there and drop it off, you know. That's it's the so least awesome. I could do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's the yeah. least I could do. I mean, I wish I could do more. You know, you do so much. I think that as artists sometimes you don't really see the mass of people that you touch and the mass of people that you heal with your music. And, you know, I think it's so wonderful that you're also helping out at Ronald McDonald House, you know, and that you're giving proceeds from the CD to them and giving of your time and love and energy. But just being you is so amazing. And <laughs> That's really sweet. Thank you. It's the truth. It's the truth. And I say that wholeheartedly because, you know, to it takes a lot of courage, first of all, to release music, and especially something that's really personal, you know, and to go out there and perform it night after night. And not only that, you teach my goodness so your plate is full and you have your book you know you're you're writing instructional manuals so you're helping you know guitarists like me and even younger you know the little i talked to a 20 year old girl yesterday who's releasing her first album and it wow. was <laughs> it was just Great. so awesome you know to to talk to her and uh you're one of her inspirations and so you know wow. your, your gift That's is far reaching <laughs> You know, and that's great. Yeah, and and I just want to talk a little bit more about, you know, your songwriting process. You know, uh -huh. when when you're composing, do you do you wait for the muse, or are you constantly writing on a daily basis? I kind of just yeah. You know, for me, writing is is free spirited. Like mm -hmm. my guitar playing, I really struggle with, and I you know, gnash my teeth over and it's like a fight all the time. But writing is is really fun and I'm not, yeah, I, I kind of, all the ones that make it to the records, mm -hmm. to the recordings are like, I, they're basically 15 minute tunes. Like I kind of just get the whole thing. Yeah. But, but I think my philosophy is harmonizing melodies. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. harmony is the emotional side of music. Yes. So I have a melody, and then I have a feeling that I want underneath that. So, and I think, you know, I've really studied harmonic analysis, and I have a really, really good understanding of how harmony works through just playing standard tunes and whatever for forever um, and being around that. So, so I think that I, I just trust that my sense of form, song form, and is there mm -hmm. from that, you know, from my understanding. So it's not an intellectual process at all. Mm -hmm. And I really feel the less, the less of myself that's involved, the better the tune is. So they're sort of like their own, I, I don't feel like I write songs, I feel like I listen. Mm -hmm. And, and, the, and the, the more that I just really open my head, I can hear the whole song. And it's its own entity, and I don't worry about it. Like, there's lots of songs that don't make it to the official book, mm -hmm. mainly because I'm I look for tunes. I'm I'm a jazz player, and I I want them to be songs that are fit right as a, an improviser, like to bring okay. them in with the band and play them. Okay. So there's sometimes tunes that that don't for whatever reason they don't lay right. We yeah. play them, and I'm like, uh, okay. So that doesn't make it to the final stage. But all, like all the ones that are on the recording are ones that that fit right as jazz tunes. I think. You can just bring them into a band and, and they sound good. Yeah. Um, even though they might, they're complex in their way and maybe quirky, they, they don't come across that way. Mainly because I think that it's all about the melody with them. They're, they're melodic. Yeah. Um, so, and I also, I don't take it personally, like if a song doesn't work or someone doesn't like my song, mm -hmm. I don't take it personally because I don't feel like they're mine, mm -hmm. actually. I really, mm -hmm. that's why I say I feel like I'm listening I've always kind of believed every all the knowledge and wisdom is up there. Yes. It's already been said and done everything, right? Yeah. So it's more the more that we empty out our egos and just, you know, listen, you can hear the song. And how do you get to that place of listening? <laughs> you know, all the monkey mind and <laughs> the craziness. <laughs> that, that I don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you know I always get songs in places where I can't you know do anything about it I'm in the shower I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm in traffic you know yeah, I'm so, somewhere where I'm supposed to be social and then here's the song and I'm like great yeah, yeah. you know I, I just call up my, or use my you know sing it into my phone somewhere yeah I've had a lot of those that song 2911 I I came when I was coming off of the subway walking home and I just kept singing it over and over yep. so I could get <laughs> my apartment and write it down. You know? <laughs> How do you balance like your spiritual life and your musical life? I mean, I know they're all one and they're intertwined, but you know, it's, I thought it was the coolest thing that you wrote a song about your um, spiritual numbers, you know, cause I go through and I'm like, okay, I'm a nine. So, you know, what right. does this mean? And, you know, you're writing music and I never thought to incorporate it into the music. So how do you, you know, how do you walk that line? Well, you know, it's funny about that song cause I'm a 2911 and I had read that day that Obama was a 2911. Yes. So I had that on my mind. So really I just kind of named that song. A lot of the names of the songs have to do with where I was and what I was, so I won't forget. Yeah. <laughs> what I was doing. They're sort of like my diary. So I, I had that on my mind. I was like, oh, that's cool. Obama's 2911. I'm 2911. And then that song popped up, and I said, oh, God, that's got to be the name of the song. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. But, I mean, they are related. I mean, 
know, I do, I do try to practice meditation, you know, uh, and, and I think when you're really playing, I, you know, I know when I feel my best playing is you are in that place where you're really relaxed, you're absolutely relaxed and you're, you're just in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think that's just our challenge anyway, just to, to be like, it's in music and just day to day to just not, you know, let go of stuff, <laughs> like, just be here now and deal and do the best that you can, you know, that's all we can do anyway. That's true. I'm going to back up and ask a couple different questions for my beginning, beginning guitarist. And um, the one question that I've seen repeatedly is, you know, should I go to music school or should I form a band and just start gigging? What would be mm. your advice? Hmm. <laughs> you know, everybody has their own path. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that answer has to, you have to find that inside. I mean, I feel like if you go to music school, you should really have the goals of what you want to get out of. It's expensive mm -hmm. to go to music school, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and in many ways, you could probably, if there's knowledge that you want, you could probably get that through private study. You know, for instance, you could find a good you know, instrument teacher, you could find a good harmony teacher and all those things and probably do it on your own through that process as opposed to going to a school. Um, there are benefits to, you know, there's, there are great things about going to school. I, I just, just tell folks that really look at it like you're, you know, you're a consumer in terms of you're going to go to a school and, you know, treat it as if like you were going to the grocery store and you have a list of what you want to get. And because otherwise, you know, if you don't, it's like going to the grocery store and you're hungry and you don't have a list, you end up with a lot of junk and yes. you waste a lot of money. Yes. So I think that's my advice because there are great things. There are great, for instance, at Berkeley, there are great people. I mean, at any school, there are great people. But there are also people that maybe aren't so great that, you know, you're going to spend money to take their class and you didn't. So, you know, really do your research. And be clear about what your goals are and who you want to who you want to get with at that school. Okay. And I think you'll get a lot out. I mean, there's things that are good about going to school, getting a degree. Now, you know, the music education thing is such a big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's actually my mother really. I did not want to finish Berkeley, but she really made me do it to get a degree so I could teach. And mm. she was she was right. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's getting more competitive. So if you see that as a track you want to go down, it is important to have a degree. But if you're going to go out and gig and kind of start your own thing, you know, go and do that. So, I, I, but, you know, I think those are the sides that have to be considered if mm -hmm. someone's thinking like, you know, Berkeley is like one of the most expensive schools on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You're going to spend that money. You better be really clear about why and what you want to get and then and then I think you'll have a good experience because otherwise I mean and I see I have students from like their first year and I'm like do you realize you're a consumer like you got to really look at this and and I think that really can change their experience in terms of what they get out of it and what they go for while they're there or maybe you don't get a degree and you just go there and and meet with certain people that you want to get with 
and then move on. That's all good, you know? Yeah, yeah. I did that at Juilliard, you know. I was at Juilliard for a couple years, and I said, you know, yeah. I'm kind of done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, what was that, being at Juilliard? So did you study classical guitar there? I did not. I studied voice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did the reverse. I went to Michigan and got a business degree, and then I went to Juilliard for voice afterwards. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and guitar just kind of happened, you know. It's like... I always loved guitar, but growing up, my folks were like, eh, that's not really ladylike, you know. You know, yeah, yeah, They're old school, so to them, you know, seeing you in a with the guitar strapped on, it just seemed like not the right fit. But, yeah, yeah. you know, years later, I found it. About 15 years ago, I, I started playing guitar, and I'm like, whoa, this feels good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and how how would you go about finding a private teacher? Because that's another one. Like, I'm just going through emails that I'm receiving, and yeah, I'm just like, no, okay. Those are all great questions. I mean, you got to ask around. You know, it's just like anything. Mm -hmm. Somebody has a good product, you know, word gets out. Um, and I think it's the same sort of thing. Be clear about what you want to get, too. Because, I, you know, I, I've definitely had this happen. Maybe there was someone that I really admired, and I went and took some lessons with them, and they were jerks. Mm -hmm. And then I was, like, so heartbroken. Or, you know, like, or they were creepy, like some creepy, you know, like yeah. they were sexist. And, you know, that's definitely an issue, I think, with young women studying. Yes. Um, and that could be heartbreaking. I mean, I, I had it happen twice, and it was heartbreaking because I really – admired these people as musicians and teachers and my friends all had had these amazing experiences and then they were just totally being lectures to me in the lesson and it was really it was really destructive um so I guess have that in mind like don't idolize people <laughs> they have to earn that they have to earn that let's put it that way but I think that I mean I, and I think every woman's had that experience yes they, they were just was really a drag like you really thought you were going to be able to go and connect with this person as a mentor and that's really hurtful no so. it's, it's very true and and it's like how do you pick up the pieces even after that you know <laughs> yeah i guess you have to realize it's not about you right you know and just say you know what they're a great musician but they're an asshole and so exactly. you know, i guess that's one of the big you know that's one of the things you learn when you get in the business a little bit all that glitters is in gold right right you know what I mean? and like you can say hey i love their music but you know that wasn't cool and how do you handle you know i mean this is a business you know you've been in it much longer than me and you know you fought some of the battles already that i won't even see but how do you deal with such a male-dominated industry? Well, you know, I actually feel like I'm kind of, I don't really think about, but you know what was interesting? when I Do you have the, a new Promise rec recording, the Emily yes, Rambler? Yes, yes. Now, when I did that record, I really went and studied Emily. Like, I wanted to hear her voice. Mm -hmm. I, went, I listened to like, that site, All Things Emily. Yes. It's really great resource and she was tortured I mean she was a tortured soul and that shit tortured her and I remember when I met her was not was about six months before she died she was playing amazing like she would and she was so giving of her time actually I'll send you I have um I just copied pdfs of my lesson with her I'll send them to you oh awesome I can send them to you right here on skype 
But um, she was tortured by that. And I, I really, it made me think, like, wow, I was so thankful for her. Yes. Now, I don't know. I, I'm not the person, I always feel like I, I just, I can only worry about my own. Shit, you know? <laughs> so I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't hire me and all that, but I, I can't focus on that because I could get really dark about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's why I have my own band and that's why I do my own thing and try to get respect on my own terms. Mm -hmm. But I do think there are, I mean, there are a lot more women playing all instruments now at a yes. really high level. Yes. So, so And things have changed, like, you know, all the people that study with the new Emily or study with me or whatever, that, that you're, you're influencing another generation of men to be open and not have that stuff. But it's still there, and I just don't, I can't think about it. Yeah. You know, I just have to move ahead and be positive and do my best mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I can so that I can stand behind my work and say, let it let it be on its own. Because, I mean, that's always a thing. Someone will go, you're the best female guitarist. And I'm like, there's only one list. <laughs> Either I'm on that list right. or not. Right. Like, you don't listen to Wes Montgomery and go, he's a really good male guitarist. Exactly. You're just for the music. You know? And I know people mean, like, they think they're giving me a compliment. And mm -hmm. I, you know... But as I get older, I get a little bit, you know, some guy, I was playing at Ronnie Scott's in, um, earlier this year, and some guy, drunk British guy, said something, and I said, I'm, I said, how do you know I'm a lady? I said, I might be a hermaphrodite. Like, what the <laughs> fuck does it matter? Do you get, and he got all upset, like, you know, I was like, what does it matter? You don't know. You don't yeah. <laughs> just listen to the music, you know? So, you, I don't you're absolutely right. You know, when I first started Guitar Goddess, gosh, five years ago, this has been a long time coming, and I'm really excited about the new website that's going to be launching in April. It's going to be really phenomenal. But this has been a long hurdle uh, trying to get this magazine off the ground, and mostly because people think they're like five female guitarists. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. You know, when I tell them I have an active list of about 6,000, you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're like, really? There's 6,000 yeah. female guitars? Absolutely. You know, yeah. and my reasoning for wanting to start this magazine was because I didn't see enough women represented in yeah. the mainstream guitar magazines. Yeah, yeah. You know, there'd be one woman per issue, and there'd be a small little, you know, write-up. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is important, too, to network. Because I, I think a lot of women, especially if they're in a smaller town, they feel really isolated. They yes. feel like a freak, like, oh, well, you know. But then, you know, then they're going to be like, oh, wow, well, there's a bunch of freaks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in all different levels, you know. Yeah, I mean, we have exactly. you at the master level, and we have, you know, the beginners, and, you know, I'm somewhere in between it there. And, you know, just yeah. all of these women coming together and, and seeing all of your bodies of work is just so inspiring. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just let me send you, let me send you these um these uh files okay. of uh, Emily lessons. Awesome. Here. You'll like it. They're they're really cool. It's cool. Actually, a student of mine who he uh, he does a lot of archiving for all things Emily. We had we started having this conversation. I said, "Oh, you know what? I really I'm gonna um I'm gonna uh, scan them for mm -hmm. everybody. So I'm I'll send this 
Thank you. There. Oh, there they are. Awesome. Well, Cheryl, you know, thank you so much for your time and your energy and just all the giving that you do. I mean, you give like from your soul musically and, you know, physically and just sitting down with me today just means so much to not only me, but all the other women who are going to benefit from your knowledge. So I thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, um, where can I, you know, I, I'm working actually, I'm rehearsing because I'm doing a new record. Um, it's, I, I hope it'll be out at the end of the year, but, um, or, or if you want to email me your, uh, e uh, physical mail address, I'll send yeah. you a copy of it. Okay, perfect. I will do, you want me to do it through Skype or you want me to email yeah, you? Whatever's easier. If okay. you want to just tell me here. Or... Yeah. Let me send that to you. Let me go over here and... I'll make sure you get a copy hot off the press. Awesome. Yeah, because I got this one a little bit late, and I was yeah. just like, oh, I would have loved to have been, you know, Skyping and Twitter, Twittering about this earlier, yeah. but I just got it, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah no, that's cool. I, 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 hope, I don't know when I'm going to put this one out, either the end of this year or the early 2014, but we're just finishing up the music for it. And how do you manage your band? <clears throat> Let's talk about that. That's another question people ask me about. Well, I just book a lot of gigs. Which I, you know what? I try to use the same group of people. Like when I find a group of people that I, I'm like, well, I want to develop something with. Um, I've been really lucky. Um, the 55 Bar has been a place where I've been able to have sort of a residency over the years. Nice. So. First, the organ trio, we've been together like 13 years. Oh, wow. And I mean, maybe there's a couple players that sub out when other people have gigs, mm -hmm. but it's pretty much the core thing. And um, so we just play. And it, it's, that's a great venue to just, like I said, I'll bring in a new tune. Mm -hmm. And they're great musicians. I mean, the only time we ever really rehearse is when we're going to the studio just to clarify things mm -hmm. or work things out. Um, but other than that, we just play. And then the quartet's pretty much, and I, now we sort of have a regular, for the band from uh, For All Those Living, mm -hmm. we have a regular uh, gig at the Fat Cat here in New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every other month. Yeah, it's a crazy place. So, and they have a piano there, and so Jim, it's Jim Riddle and Gary, and actually uh, Tommy Campbell's playing this. So anyway, I have the, I, I find those kind of situations where I can develop the band and the music. Mm -hmm. So we don't, like, yeah, it, and if we're going to record, we might rehearse. I'm not a big, I don't really like rehearsing. So, and, and these guys are such monstrous players that yeah. they could read, you know, fly shit. So, <laughs> you know, play it like they've been playing it since they were born. So, I always love what they, I mean, that's why I, I guess I choose the right players that I know are going to play my music the way I hear it. And, and and I also write music that's open and I, that they can put their personality into also. Yes. So then it's more about let's just play, mm -hmm. which I think is different than, you know, if you are a recording band or, or you know, maybe different styles of music you want to spend more time crafting and rehearsing. But I'm not, I'm a, you know, we're, I'm like a real jazz musician, like count it off in the sky <laughs> and make it happen. That's been interesting. You know, when I first started my band in New York, you know, I had all these Berkeley guys and they were giants, you know, and I was new to playing guitar and everything. And it was so amazing because they would kick my ass every night on the stage. You know, I'd be like, okay, okay. Oh, you got that? Oh, I got this, you know, and, you, and, yeah, yeah. 
And it was just so good for me growth wise to play with such yeah. musical giants because they really, I mean, the first few gigs, they really kicked my ass. And then I started coming back and they're like, oh, all right, you know, you're uh, getting yeah. it. <laughs> well, that's definitely something to tell young people is try to, try to always, don't be afraid to play with people that maybe intimidate you a little bit because they're going to make you play better. Yes. You know, it's one thing to play, oh, I feel comfortable with so-and-so, but if you really want to get better, you have to play with people that are better. That, and that might mean getting your butt kicked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's like, I don't know, somebody said one time, you know, you have to be willing to suck to get better. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you might go and you call these monsters and you're like licking your wounds. <laughs> but, you know, what, do, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like all those things, they're kind of, they kinda, they're true. Yes. Those so. videos are painful to watch, though. You know, sometimes yeah. I'll go find them and I'm like, oh, this is just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Cheryl, it's been so fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, you. tell us how we can find you online. I'll let you do your plug here, and I'll put this in the in the video in the proper spot. Okay, just www.cherylbailey.com and on Facebook, you can find my fan page, and it's great. Keep keep in touch with folks all over the place that way. Great, and you're touring constantly. Yeah, I'm going to be in the UK in June. Uh, well, I'm going out in March with this band, Abraham Inc., with Fred Wesley from James Brown. Yes. Uh, and we're actually going to Morocco. That'll be cool. Oh, my so favorite I'm, place. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but we're going, uh, so I'll be out with them for two weeks, and then uh, just a bunch of gigs in New York, and then in June, yeah, I'll be in London for about nine days. I'm doing a workshop, and then in Germany, I'm doing a workshop, a weekend workshop. But all that info is on my webpage and okay. on Facebook, and keep it updated. So. And the new record, hopefully, later this year. All right. Well, thank you so much, and I'll be in touch. I'm going to send you an email um, to let you know, you know, when it's edited and everything. And I okay. send it to you before I put it on the site. Okay. So if you have any issues, just let me know. It's all good. I want okay. you to be happy. <laughs> all right. Cool. Great. Okay. Well, and thank okay. you for rescheduling as well. That was so crazy. The other all day right. with my Skype, I up I upgraded to the new Skype, and then it stopped working. I've had that happen. Skype's, yeah, but then when it works, it's great. Exactly. You know? So, cool. All right. All right, we'll have a great rehearsal. <laughs> Hopefully if I'm out, yeah, in L.A. sometime, I'm due for a trip back out that way, so. Oh, yeah, we have to get together when you come to L.A., and when I'm back in New York, I miss New York so much. Like, it, it's become, like, my home, you know, and being yeah. away for eight years, I'm just like, ugh. It's a whole yeah, different yeah. vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're great. They're both great places, yes. you know? Yes. Artistically, and they, I mean, they have the different things. Yeah. But anyway, we have snow. I don't know, you probably can't see, but we have snow. Snow? Yeah, it's like kind of winter wonderland. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't miss that. That part no, I don't. <laughs> I know, I don't either, but it's going to be okay. I mean, it's pretty when you're looking at it outside, but then the idea of dragging amps and guitars and stuff. Yeah. Through the... Oh, I forgot to ask you, what are you playing? Tell us about oh. your guitar. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this... My, um, this was built for me by Rick McCurdy. And, Beautiful. Uh, and it was given to me. It was a gift, actually, from Jimmy Weibel. Wow. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's my model. I have the... 
this is like a later version. The, I have the first version. It's the Mercury model. Okay. So actually, you can check that out on Rick McCurdy, McCurdyGuitars.com. So if, um, I yeah, so it's actually the Merc, the Cheryl Bailey Mercury model. But um, but this one in particular was from Jimmy. And then I have um, I use a an acoustic image Claris Two okay. R head, okay. which is great because I can travel with it. Mm -hmm. Just use a speaker, but this if at home the speaker I use is a Razor's Edge, a ten inch Razor's Edge. Okay. Um, and I use Jazz Cat amps too. Um, that's what I used on a new Promise. Oh. Um, so and I like that amp too. You know, sometimes some things are good for different things, but those are the two amps that I use. I have a pedal board too. Yeah, I was about to ask about pedals because a lot of girls are t intimidated by the pedals. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, you know what, I'm kind of old, maybe because it's what I came up with. I know there are a lot of great new make, I, I use mostly Boss pedals, like I have a Boss Looper, and mm -hmm. then, um, they don't make it anymore, it's a digital delay and reverb, mm -hmm. which I use a lot, um, with the Hendrix band and, and other bands. Um, uh, a Dunlop Wawa, mm -hmm. and I, I love this, the Boss Pitch Shifter, I don't know if they yes. make it anymore, they might, they, I think they call it the Harmonist. Yes. But I love that thing. I use that for a lot of stuff. Uh, an Ottawa, Boss Ottawa. And, and this guy's, crazy guy's making these little tiny pedals, which I like to travel with, uh, Malecchio. Yes. Name, yeah. <laughs> I have his chorus and I have his flanger. Nice. And I, oh, actually, I got a really great new um, Overdrive, the Exotic. Okay. Movie. Love that. It's, it's, um, it's like the warmest Overdrive. And, you know, the range of what you can do with this great from like just blues overdrive to this shred kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But but the EQ on it is so great. Um, it's very warm and a um, Wampler uh, uh, Ego, what's it called? I just got the, uh, a compressor. I think it's called the Ego something. I, I can't remember what it's called. I just got, <laughs> but I use that. Because I do, like, I do the John Zorn project with David Krakauer, and that's totally crazy shred yeah. insanity. So I really, that, I, I never really got into a compressor, but when, I, when I'm when i using that kind of sound, I really, I use it for that. Other than that, I, I prefer just to go straight in and deal. But, mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I have a pretty extensive pedal board that I, but, you know, I mean, uh, with my organ trio, my quartet, I just play guitar through an amp, but okay. uh, I don't really use any pedals. But definitely for uh, that John Zorn project and some other projects I do. I mean, I grew up, I was a shredder kid when I was a kid, so once a shredder, always a shredder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing super fast. Yeah. So. And what are you listening to these days? What's in your iPod? What's what's playing? <laughs> Some weird stuff. Some Joni Mitchell, uh, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. <laughs> and uh, you're going to really know, you're going to really know them insane. These country guys, the Leuven Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Satan is real. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I just started to read the autobiography and I can listen to that. Yeah. And Keith Jarrett. Keith Jarrett, absolutely. My songs. And uh, this really amazing guitar player, Julian Lodge. I've been listening to him a bunch. Oh, I have to check him out. 
he's unbelievable. He's like ridiculous. Wow. So that's that's a couple things I've been listening to lately. Cool. <laughs> I love asking that question because is no one is ever the same. It's not even close. You know. Yeah. So, did you think I was gonna say I'm listening to the Lubin Brothers? Satan is real. Yeah, no, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they could play too. Yeah. Mandolin and guitar. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've taken up. Too much of your time today. Thank you so much. Have a great sure. rehearsal. And thank you for the download. I can't wait to download them and, and get to it. <laughs> yeah, and feel free to share them. Oh, wonderful. I, I, yeah, I sent them to my student, because, and he's putting them up on All Things Emily, so feel okay. free to share them. Okay, great. People need to know about her. Exactly, exactly. Well, great. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Guitar Goddess, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review. For weekly updates on concerts, events, and VIP giveaways, don't forget to join our VIP list at guitargoddess.com. You can also find us on the web at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Guitar Goddess Co. Until next time, keep rocking. You're listening to Guitar Goddess Radio with Azena.